0: Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, we continue to work our way through the Sermon on the Mount, we'll be looking at verse 9. Jesus has been dealing with the corrupt practice of the hypocrites. He turns to three areas, uh, giving, uh, prayer, and fasting. And uh, we've looked at giving. He turns his attention to prayer in verse 5. He gives us the corrupt practice of the hypocrites and also the corrupt practice of the pagans. And after dealing with those two groups of people, he turns his attention to giving us a model prayer, a model prayer. And so he's going to teach us to pray in a positive way by giving us this model prayer. Prayer was so important to Jesus that after dealing with these various faults that were usually involved with prayer when somebody prayed, he gives us this incredible model prayer. Now, next to Psalm 23, which probably most of you can quote, this is probably the best known and oft quoted portion of Scripture. This model prayer contains, in the King James Version of the Bible, 66 words. And it compresses some incredible, eternal, profound principles in some very concise phrases. What I'm trying to say is that Jesus uses an economy of words to teach us how to pray. Now it's a brief prayer, but yet it has inspired millions of people. And it is a much needed model prayer that will help us to clear up the confusion that we have about prayer. It'll help clear up the errors about prayer that seems to plague us in our lives, no matter which generation. Someone has lived in. Today, many have stopped praying because it is too demanding, takes up a lot of time. While others approach prayer in a flippant, disrespectful, and irreverent way. Still others approach prayer as a way to get things from God or get him to do things. And yet, with others, prayer has become nothing more than a simple routine. This model prayer gives us instruction in the most vital area of our walk with the Lord. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, and I quote, Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees... He comes face to face with God. So because prayer had become corrupted and encrusted with tradition and error during his day, Jesus, our Savior, teaches us how to pray. And so we have a model prayer to follow. Follow along as I read, and then we'll give some introductory remarks. Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me give some introduction to this model prayer. First of all, notice the word therefore. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Uh, Whenever you see the word wherefore or the word therefore, you need to look and see what it's there for. In other words, go back to the previous section of Scripture and find out why that therefore is there. And in this case, we are told to pray this way in contrast to the other two groups that we've already covered. In other words, we are, instead of approaching the teaching of prayer in a negative way, starting in verse 5, don't pray like the hypocrites, then verse 7, don't use vain repetitions like the pagans, don't do it like this. This is how you are to pray. In other words, we are given not a negative instruction here. We were giving, we are being given a positive model to follow. Positive as opposed to the hypocrites, don't follow the example of the hypocrites. Positive as opposed to the pagans, don't follow the example of the pagans. And may I add a third. Positive as opposed to our own confusion. How then should we pray? I shared a verse with you, I think, a a few Sundays ago, Romans 8.26. It says, Likewise also the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. In other words, there is, even on our part as believers, some confusion in this area of prayer. If we're not to pray a certain way, for not to follow the example of these other two groups, how should we pray? Well, Jesus gives us not only a positive model to follow, a perfect model to follow. Notice the phraseology here. After this manner, therefore pray ye. After this manner. This is a model to follow. In fact, it is a perfect model to follow. Let me say Let me tell you why it's perfect. It is perfect because of the author. It is perfect because this prayer is coming from the lips of our Savior, the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now this model prayer is often and commonly called the Lord's Prayer. I think there's some confusion about that. It is his prayer in the sense that he gave it. He taught it. Some said it would be better called the disciples' prayer, our prayer, or the Lord's model prayer. I don't think we can change how it's referred to because generation after generation has called it the Lord's prayer. This is an example or model to follow. It is not the Lord's prayer in the sense that Jesus ever prayed this. We have no record that he ever prayed this. In fact, he would not need to pray this prayer because in the prayer, it asks for forgiveness and Jesus was sinless. So we have no indication that Jesus ever prayed this prayer verbatim. Jesus, as perfect man, 100% man, and Jesus as perfect God, 100% God, think about that now as it relates to prayer. Jesus, as a man, knew how to pray. And as God, knows how he wants us to pray. So think about the theological significance of Jesus being 100% man and 100% God. If anyone knows the heart of God, it would be Christ Christ. Jesus gives us, therefore, a model prayer based upon his experience as man and his eternal experience as God. So, Jesus gives us a model prayer based upon that experience. Jesus was accustomed to praying, he knew how to pray, he knew what to pray for. He had communed with God in all night prayer vigils. Thomas Watson said this, this prayer was dropped from the lips of the Son of God. And as a result, it's something we should pay attention to. Now each of you have books I'm sure that you read. uh, I read theological books and commentaries. We all admire the work of certain authors. You might have certain novels that you read. And you might have an author that you're familiar with, and you would find every novel that that author has written. We admire the works of artists. Certain people collect the works of a certain artist. These works of these men are worth more than the work of some ordinary person. I don't think you would be lining up at a Bible bookstore to read a book I may have written. I'm a nobody. But you know, you get somebody like a Thomas Watson or a D.A. Carson or a John MacArthur, and he writes a new book. People are going to line up to get that book. But we have here in the scriptures a model prayer authored by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so it's perfect because of the author. Second, it's perfect a perfect model of prayer because of its content. This is the instruction we need because Jesus knows what we need. Jesus, in this model prayer, this perfect model prayer, shows us how we should approach God. He shows us in this perfect model prayer what we should be concerned with, what we should be asking for, the order in which we should present our request to the Father. He shows us the adoration that is due to God. It covers everything to be included in our prayers in principles, in very concise statements. You cannot add anything to this prayer, model prayer, on how or for what we pray, it is a perfect model prayer. It is a perfect summary. Some would say an outline, a skeleton. I believe we should memorize it, not so that we pray it, but we memorize it so that we can pattern our prayers after this perfect model. When we pray, We should expand upon the principles that are involved, that are included in this model prayer. But all prayer can be reduced to these principles. As a result, we should examine our prayers in the light of this pattern, this perfect model prayer. Keep in mind that this perfect model prayer is comprehensive. Though it is short, 66 words in the King James Bible, it contains a great deal. This perfect model prayer is clear, it is plain, it is understandable, it is complete. It contains the primary things that we should be talking to God about. So it is a positive model to follow, it is a perfect model to follow without sounding redundant it is a prayer model to follow notice what it says after this manner therefore pray ye it is a prayer model prayer because we need it prayer because prayer is what brings us communion with god we need to learn how to pray all sorts of books written on prayer, all sorts of commentaries written on prayer, all sorts of sermons preached about prayer. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, again, said, prayer is the highest activity of the human soul, so we need to pray. Pray ye, here in this verse, verse 9, is a present imperative, which points to two things. First of all, it's a, com- a command, but it points to the habitual practice of prayer that should be in our lives. And the you is emphatic. Pray ye. So followers of Jesus Christ as citizens of the kingdom of God should pray habitually, and they should pray this way in contrast to the hypocrites and the pagans. You know that everything else in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Everything is easier than prayer. Prayer is the one area that I know I struggle with. Do you struggle with it? But there is nothing in the Christian life that is the ultimate test of our spiritual condition before God. And so there is a great need for instruction in this area what we need to know what we ought to know is our need to be taught in this area we need to be taught in this area none of us has all the answers but it's a prayer model to follow because Jesus taught it. And so we are told to to observe all things whatsoever he has commanded us, and he's given us a prayer model to follow. We should follow it. Let me give an overview. That's kind of an introduction. Let me give an overview. What is the purpose of this model prayer? What is the purpose? Is it something that was given by Christ so that we can, every Sunday, without fail, quote it together in the congregation? The answer to that is no. It is a pattern to follow. After this manner, pray like this, not pray this, pray like this, This It's an example, it's a pattern to follow. It is a model that gives us some guidelines. When we pray, we should think about this model, not actually pray the model. We should remember that there are certain things that we should be praying for, a certain way to approach God, and we should be following this model, not praying the model. So in other words, our prayer should be modeled or patterned after this one. Jesus gave this with some variations also in Luke chapter 11. If you'll turn there really quick, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. He gave us this to teach us how to pray. Luke 11, 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, first of all, the thing to realize here is that more than likely the disciples were hearing Jesus pray, and so here were the disciples. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. So Jesus gave this model prayer in response to the disciples asking for instruction on how to pray. The disciples wanted to learn how to pray. They heard, they saw Jesus pray, so they wanted to be able to pray like Jesus. The reason that is significant is Jesus was not reciting the prayers that the rabbis usually did. And so they wanted to know teach us how to do that. Jesus spent hours in prayer. So what does he say when he prays? Disciples wanted to know. Jesus would go into the mountain and pray. Or he would rise a great while before day and he would pray. He would pray all night. Disciples knew that John the Baptist had taught his disciples how to pray. So they, as followers of Christ, wanted Christ, their master, to teach them how to pray. They didn't ask Jesus to teach them a prayer not what this is you say brother Cyril, you're stressing that a lot yeah i am because there's a lot of reciting of this prayer that means absolutely nothing to people but i also learn from the disciples this truth we should be dissatisfied with what we know and what we do when it comes to prayer We need to be dissatisfied with our prayer life, and we need to learn more. Don't you wish you could pray like Jesus? He's given us that right here. So it's a pattern to follow, but it's also a pattern to understand. The greatest Christian scholars and preachers have given expositions of this prayer. I almost hesitate to preach on this portion of Scripture because there is so much out there. On this model prayer, they have used what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer throughout the centuries to teach about prayer, to explain about prayer. Origen, Gregory of Nyssa, Tertullian, Sir, uh, Cyril of Jerusalem, Cyprian, and Augustine and Luther. They all wrote expositions on this model prayer. You can go to any Bible bookstore, and you can find sermons and books about prayer, this prayer. You can Google it and you will find sermons and books about this model prayer. I've got Thomas Watson's book on this prayer, model prayer, and it's thick. Andrew Murray said, and I quote, It is a form of prayer that becomes the model and inspiration for all other prayer, and yet always draws us back to itself as the deepest utterance of our souls before God. So it is a pattern to follow. However, as is usual, there is always a corrupt use of something that is so beautiful given as a pattern, as a model Um, happens all the time. You know, the, the children of Israel took the bronze serpent that Moses had made and later in their history they were worshiping it. And so there is a paganish use of this model prayer that we should avoid. Let me... Give you an example of that through personal experience. When I was pastoring down in Illinois, a son of one of the uh, couples who were a member of the church was in a very severe accident, very critical. Didn't know if he was going to make it. Of course, I went to visit, uh, be a support to the couple who was a member of our church but it was a big family and there were lots of people there and uh, I took the uh, couple aside and shared scripture with them and prayed with them Uh, didn't do it in front of everybody it didn't need to be done I was ministering to a particular family who was a member of our church and I would have things to say to the group as well but there was the sister of the wife who was a member of our church. Um, If I say type A personality, does everybody know what I mean by that? Type A personality, she came and she gathered the family together. Of course, I was there. And uh, she gathered the entire family together in the hall. And she says, we need to pray. And What do you think she prayed? She led the family Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And she went through the prayer. And when she was done, she placed her hand across her chest. She said, now I feel better. That's a paganish use of this great model prayer. It is a pattern for prayer. It is not a prayer to be recited verbatim, coldly, mechanically, without thought. Now there's nothing in this prayer that had to do with the uh, situation at hand, really, except that maybe the part thy will be done on earth. But even that, if you when you understand it, has nothing to do with an individual who'd been in an accident. We have no scripturally recorded time when anybody prayed this prayer. Again, the disciples didn't ask teach us a prayer said teach us to pray what is worse is here in the context of not using vain repetition is a model prayer that has been recited more than any other portion of scripture no prayer has been repeated more than this one it is repeated with little understanding of what it actually teaches It is repeated with no intention of having it fulfilled in the life. For instance, forgiveness, not going headlong into temptation, not being delivered from evil. It is often repeated without the prerequisite relationship of God being our Father. It is repeated with no real concern for God's will or kingdom. repeated without any thought as to what it actually says and means folks my point here is this this is not some magical prayer that we can pray and it's going to twist God's arm into doing something that we think he should be doing now let me give you a preview of this prayer preview of this model prayer there are six petitions in this prayer the first three appropriately concern God directly. They deal with his glory. That God's name be hallowed, his kingdom come, his will be done. And the point of that is that if we set God in his proper place in our prayer life, folks, everything else will follow. What that shows us is that prayer is ultimately about God's glory and not our needs. And this is the, the, the priority to which prayer always points that God may be glorified in and through the Son Jesus Christ, John 14:13. So the overall emphasis in this prayer is on God. The first three requests, the last three concern men. They embrace our physical and spiritual needs. It takes care of our past, our present, and our future needs. Forgiveness, daily bread, and lead us not into temptation. Now, folks, again, there are different ways to look at this prayer. I can pray, I can pray, I can preach on this prayer uh, next Sunday in one way. And the following Sunday I can preach on the same prayer and I can look at it a different way. Let me give you two examples of this. John MacArthur in his commentary lists different ways to look at this prayer. The first way you can look at this prayer is the relationship that we have with God. The relationship that we have with God. First of all, our father. That's a father-child relationship. Hallowed, deity-worshipper. Kingdom, sovereign, subject, will, master, servant, daily bread, benefactor, beneficiary, forgive, savior, sinner, lead us not, guide, pilgrim. Wonderful way to look at the prayer. But John MacArthur goes on further, and he could preach a whole other sermon on it. The spirit in which we should pray, our, that's an unselfish spirit. Father, a family spirit. Hallowed, a reverent spirit. Kingdom, loyal spirit. Will, submissive spirit. Daily bread, dependent spirit. Forgive, a penitent spirit. Lead, humble spirit. Thine is the kingdom, triumphant spirit. Glory, exaltant spirit. And then forever, eternal spirit, hope. Folks, All sorts of preachers and commentators have looked at this prayer, and you can look at it through different lenses and glean a lot about prayer. What I want to point out here as we look at the prayer is the prayer is written from a corporate perspective and not an individual perspective. The last three petitions are in the first person, not singular, but the first person plural. It's not my father, it's what? It's our father. Folks, when we pray, we should not be praying all the time as if we were the only Christian, or we should not be praying in isolation from others. We have a tendency especially in America, to see our spirituality or to see our Christianity in terms of rugged individualism. That's what characterizes our society. In other words, it's this kind of mentality. Well, it's just me and God. I like hymns when we sing them. and I think we sang a couple of them today. that talk about us and our and we, not me. Myself and I. We are part of a society, a community of believers. We're all members of the body of Christ. And our prayer should reflect that corporate aspect of who we are in Christ. What I'm saying is this, our pattern of praying Must now, don't get me wrong, there are going to be times when we pray for individual needs. When Jesus gave us a model prayer to follow, he used the first person plural. Our pattern of praying must go beyond just our needs as an individual and be concerned with praising our Father together as we lift up our voices. Be concerned with not just my daily bread. Our daily bread. Our sins. The temptations that all of us face. You know, we like to, uh, especially in the times of Christ, we want to blast the Jews a lot, a lot of the corrupt practices and the things that they believed that were wrong. They were not always wrong. From the Old Testament, we see that They should have known, as some no doubt did, and there were some that did, what to include in prayer. So these elements were part of the true Jews' prayer life. Their prayers included the following. Loving praise. Loving praise, Psalm 34, 2, Psalm 51, 15. 15. Thanksgiving, Jonah 2, 9. Their prayers included a sense of awe and reverence for God that is unlike anything that we usually see. Isaiah 6, verse 5. And according to Psalm 119, a desire to obey God. Confession of sin, Psalm 26, 6. And on and on we can go. Perseverance, humility, unselfishness. You know, the Jews had one thing that I think we could learn a lot from. They had a sense of community. They had a sense of community. They had a corporate identity. They were part of the people of God. Their prayers reflected that. Their prayers were not restricted to themselves or to the individual. I think I quoted this before, but the rabbis actually had a prayer. Hear not, O Lord, the prayer of a traveler. In other words, somebody traveling through the land of Israel, Lord, don't hear their prayer. Why? What does a traveler pray for? Safety, good weather. A traveler will pray for good weather. This prayer of the rabbi, hear not, O Lord, the prayer of a traveler, Recognize that the one guy is praying, so his journey might be easy and go well. Whereas there were many landowners there in Israel who were dependent on their crops, which needed the rain. And so the rabbis would say, "Don't, Lord, don't listen to the traveler as he's traveling through the, the land." Do we sometimes do the same thing? You know, we go through a dry period. And the crops are growing and they need the rain and we're going to have a picnic with our family. And what do we pray for? Pray for good weather. Now, it's true that God could cause the rain to come on this farm field over here and avoid my house over here. He could do that. But I think you get my point. When we pray, we use a lot of I, me, and my there are no singular pronouns that are used in this model of prayer. I think what this prayer is teaching us is that we need to pray, and when we pray, we need to have a, se- a sense of corporate unity, and we need to remember our place in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not exist for us to have our individual needs met. We exist to further the kingdom of God on this earth. The bottom line is this. Sometimes we need to sacrifice what might be best for us and remember that God has a plan that encompasses the whole. Let me repeat that. I probably got it out of a commentary. We need to sacrifice what might be best for us and remember that God has a plan that encompasses the whole. This Model prayer teaches us how to pray and what to pray for. There is a right and there is a wrong approach when we pray. And this model prayer will keep us from being so self-centered we forget that God is at work in the world as a whole. Our Father, we thank you for all that you do in and through our lives. In and through this church. And we ask as we go through this in the coming weeks that you would teach us to pray so we would have a right relationship with you. We're asking in Jesus' name.